Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome to another edition of Training Unleashed. Uh, we are very fortunate to have a terrific guest with us today. I was in New York at a conference, and I stumbled upon him. He was the keynote speaker, and I was just really taken back by the topic and the importance of change. His name is Camel McPherson, and I mispronounce it, so please pronounce it correctly. Campbell McPherson. Thank you. And he is with the Change and Strategy International, and he has written a terrific book. What's the name of your book, by the way? It's called The Change Catalyst, uh, Secrets to Successful and Sustainable Business Change. Change is an important topic, and change ties into training because change without training, you know, is sort of like peanut butter without jelly. <laughs> but why don't we start with, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of change. Certainly. Well, um, I've been helping CEOs and leadership teams uh, clarify their strategy and, and lead change and build cultures that embrace change for almost 30 years, really. Uh, I've tried um, different um, industries. I've worked in different, uh, different roles in different industries right throughout my career, starting with learning how to uh, fly planes in the Air Force in, back in Australia. But, but after that, I really got into change when I was running a multimedia company in, in Sydney, and we're hoping to change the way that organizations market themselves using what was, uh, what was uh, CD-ROMs and floppy disks and then the internet at that point. But actually getting into organizational change was when I joined Anderson Consulting uh, in the late 90s and headed up one of their change divisions in, in Sydney that was focused on the insurance market in financial services in Sydney. So you've written this book, The Change Catalyst, and I'm, you know, I, I was about to explain your premise, but I think better I let you explain your premise. What's the premise of your book? The premise of the book is, is quite simple, really. It's that, that change is inevitable, but successful change isn't. And so in the book, I go through uh, the 10 different reasons why 88% of change initiatives actually fail, which I found to be an, a fascinating statistic that came out of a, a piece of work that Bain did last year. They interviewed 250 different uh, executives from different companies and came up with 88% of, uh, of change initiatives actually failed to deliver the outcomes that they set out to achieve. And the premise of the book is that runs through why why change fails, the top 10 reasons, then goes through the top 10 reasons or essential ingredients for sustainable change. And the key ingredients tend to be people because only your people can deliver your strategy. So the premise of the book is that without your people aligned and engaged and embracing change to deliver your strategy, no change will happen. And the vast numbers of reasons why change fails is that leadership fails to be clear about what they're trying to achieve, about why they're trying to achieve, uh, why they're actually trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve, and it also fail to engage their people emotionally in delivering the change. Most leaders tend to engage their people on a very logical basis, and, and that is just not good enough because emotion is four times more powerful 
than logic uh, when it comes to the workplace. In fact, it's four times more powerful than logic in any way of, uh, in, in any way of life. We see that in politics all the time. Emotion yeah. trumps logic every single time. Yes, there's no, no doubt about that. Uh, interesting use of word trumps. <laughs> I didn't think that one would sneak past. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I I told you know I wrote a book called Engaging Leadership. Oh, right. And my whole premise of the book was that for change, not for for people to be good leadership. And the book wasn't specifically about change. Yeah. That you wanted to listen to all the stakeholders. You wanted to listen to your employees, the people that are, you know, frontline, you want to listen to your customers, you want to listen to your vendors, you want to get their opinions, you want to communicate throughout the process so that when the change decision is made, that people feel like they're owners, which is what you're talking yeah. about. Completely, completely. In fact, if where change that fails is is where they fail to communicate properly. And when I say properly, that means what you just said is they fail to listen. Because yeah. I've seen so many change initiatives where CEOs will stand up on, on the stage in a big town hall speech and, and give all the logical, wonderful reasons of, 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 uh, of what the future will look like and the wonderful logical reasons of, of, for the change. And all of the employees are sitting there thinking, well, A, what's it got to do with me? And B, this is the first I've heard of it. So they're, they're just not engaged at all because no one's listened to them. Yeah. And change that's successful, I've found, is where leaders can set a vision and then, and then engage, firstly, their people, their leadership team, and then all of the organization in working out, well, what are the implications of this vision? Uh, what could possibly go wrong is something that I, I ask in, in workshops. And engage everyone in, in working out how to deliver the change. Um, but that that requires leaders who are who are, are very strong and and are very confident, confident enough to actually have their vision tested by their employees in some way. So employees want to know that leaders have a vision for where they're going to take them, but they also want to be involved in in working out how to get there. And and I think when you've got that combination of actually leaders who listen to employees and then employees who are get engaged with change, but also know how to embrace change and they're not afraid of change, then you get success. But as we said in the opening, uh, that only happens about 12% of the time. And it's, it's quite remarkable. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortle.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortle.net. T-O-R-T-A-L. Tortle.net. I think it's human nature for people to first question and doubt and have defense. But when they hear something, they're not hearing it like, oh, this is interesting. Why will this be good? <laughs> they're hearing this with, how is this bad? How will it affect my job? Why don't I like it? And that's what happens when you just hit them with it rather than the part of embracing them in the conversation so that when the time comes that they feel comfortable and they really are open-minded. That, that is so true. That is, that, that is so true. And in, in fact, what I describe in one of 
the, the, the training courses that I run for leadership teams on, on, uh, on leading change. I also do, do uh, courses for employees on embracing change because uh, leaders can't lead if they don't have followers and the followers have got to be able to be up for the change. They've got to, they've got to be comfortable with change before they will then acquiesce um, to actually to actually change, so I run through that there are there are about there are there are different types of change, and I, I think there's a I draw a little two by two matrix where where you've got the size of the change from small to large, and you've got the amount of personal control that you have. So if you've got a small change that you're in control of, well, that's absolutely fine. That's really called personal development. Yeah. If you've got a small change that is being forced on you, then it's easy to adapt. It, it could be a it could be a change in a process for a change in a form. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll adapt to that. But when you get big change that is forced upon you, that's when you really, uh, that, that's, that, that's really change that rocks your world. That's really when you're set back on your, uh, in your seat. And it could be a, a reorganization of your company, a loss of your job. It, it, could be, it could be a million things, but it's big change that is actually forced on you. And you're right, the first, the first phase is not excitement. But the first phase that everybody goes through when they have big change forced upon them is shock. They go through shock. They go through a state of denial. They get angry. They get scared. Um, and, and they get depressed before they then move up the other side of the change curve and, and start to engage their head in understanding what has happened and then finally their heart in accepting it. But, but you're very right. Change, change is a very emotional thing. And, and it's uh, the first reaction is always shock. It's, 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 it's never uh, excitement. So I'm going to ask you a question everyone asks me, and I'm going to, after you answer, I'm going to answer. Why is it that management is so resistant to opening up and getting feedback and input before making major decisions? Now that is a great question. That is a great question. I think I was, I was, I was talking to, I was talking to an executive about this very thing actually today over lunch. And he said that he thinks the reason is that most of the time IQ is, is more valued than EQ, particularly in financial services. I was talking to a financial services executive. So the people that make it to the top in business, particularly in financial services, are very high IQ. And they, they get there because they make decisions and they take no prisoners, take no prisoners and, um, and they get on with it. But they have a very, very low EQ uh, skill. So when they get to that stage, they, they think that good leadership is about taking control and telling people what to do. So I think it's, it's, maybe it's part of, uh, uh, of our capitalist system. Part of, maybe it's part of, of, of corporate life is that those that get to the top have got there because they've got a very low EQ. Uh, anyway, that's because we were debating this over lunch today. It's, it's a really perfect question. Yeah, no, and, and, and the, the, the simple answer is the answer is different for every person based on their personality yeah. and type. But I, I lead to two things. Imposter syndrome. Yep. That they're afraid that people are going to find out that they aren't as smart as they think they are. As, you know, everyone thinks they are. So by being vulnerable and if people are resistant to this change idea, it's going to make people think they aren't that bright. And then a false a sense that true leadership is directed. Yeah, and that's, 
rather that's than, where we were going rather today. than poking and inspiring. That's very interesting. You should uh -huh. say imposter imposter syndrome. Uh, one of my closest friends was the youngest ever director of the uh, in Sydney. And when he was in his early 30s, I said to him, um, what is it that you worry about? What keeps you awake at night? And he said, I worry that tomorrow is going to be the day that they find out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at, um, I don't know if you know Jeffrey Hazlett. Yes, he, yes, he actually I, I, I met him at the same conference, actually. Yes. Yeah. I was actually with him yesterday at a different yeah. conference. And it wasn't him, but one of his speakers said, I know all of you in here feel like you're imposters. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many were nodding. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, probably a lot. Probably a lot. But it's, so before but it's a good, we, it is a good question. I, and, I, and I don't, well, my, my initial answer was it's sort of high IQ. Um, there's, a, there's also a disconnect because, and I was, talking about this at a I'd say with, with a client the other day we were having a big session on, on change with with the all of their CEOs that flew in from from around the world and one of the things we realized is that the leaders well, back to the matrix that I drew in, in midair um, the the leaders uh, when they instigate a big change they're instigating in, in the organization and the first thing you feel when you're instigating big change is excitement you then will start to doubt and, and, and have a few concerns. But the first is, is excitement. So in my little quadrant, that is over, that is big change that I instigate, and that's in the top right-hand corner. But the same change to the employees is big change that they've had forced upon them. And their instant reaction is not excitement. It's fear. It's shock. And, and, then, and then it quickly becomes denial. So it's funny, I was, and displaying this to the, uh, graphically on on the um, on on the whiteboard to to the CEOs to say your change you're excited the same change they're in shock I think you could now start to see why that's the case and what I, what I try and do and this is where training obviously is the only way to do it is to try and get them to understand to empathise with their employees that to understand they're going through shock and then empathize with them to, to say that the fact they're in shock, the fact they're in denial, the fact they're in, that, that they become angry after they become fearful is not negative. You shouldn't take it out on them. It's just a natural human response to really big change that's being forced upon you. So if we can teach leaders to be more empathetic of their people and to understand what they're going through when, when they force big change upon them, then I think they, they will be so much further down the road of uh, being able to make sure the change is successful because then we come back around to where we started is the change will only be successful through their people. So the success of the leaders actually depends upon the success of their people embracing change. And you can only do that through workshops and mentoring for leaders and workshops and mentoring for actual people to embrace me, change and, and find... Which leads me... Which leads me to this important question. Why in the world are we on a podcast about training? Now, I know why we're on a podcast about training. But what Particularly impact... Particularly with me waving my arms in the air. Yeah, well, but this isn't being recorded visually, so they don't, no one sees the arms. But change and training go hand in hand. Right? And, and maybe talk about the importance of training and being involved in change initiatives. Well, one of the 
One of the best research surveys, pieces of work that, that I'm aware of in, in this space was done by the Corporate Executive Council back in 2003 or 2004. And they interviewed 50,000 employees from companies from all around the world. And they came to the conclusion, uh, several conclusions, but one of the key conclusions was that, that uh, emotional commitment is four times stronger than logical commitment. So they then also showed that companies that have a workforce that is emotionally committed to the vision, to, to, to achieve, to, to the strategy, uh, also have considerably higher shareholder value. But the most important um, outcome of this report is that the driver of emotional commitment is the person's line manager. So it doesn't matter where you are in the organization, it's your line manager's ability to manage that is the most important driver of one emotional commitment which then follows on to shareholder value. So when I saw that, when I was HR director many, many years ago of a, of a financial services firm, that was the evidence, that was the, the, the rationale that I needed, the logical rationale I needed to convince the rest of the board to invest in management development and leadership development because it had a direct flow onto the bottom line, a direct flow onto delivering our strategy. And until I saw that strategy, and sorry, sorry, until I saw that survey, I didn't have the, the quantitative um, IQ-based <coughs> ammunition for the rest of the board to go, right, let's do it then. Let's invest in, 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 uh, in people development. Let's invest in management development. Let's invest in leadership development. And it worked, and it worked a treat. So every time I, I, I give a speech, I, I tell executive teams, I tell leadership teams that management development and leadership development is probably the most important investment they can make. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. Development is a nice word of saying training. It is. It is. <laughs> because we're on a training thing. <laughs> and I also point out, if the change involves skill changing, because I can't tell you, you know, I checked into my hotel today it was a terrible experience right and the person explains to me they had new software and, and and so obviously there's change taking place but that person wasn't trained on how to handle the change now that just seems to be so fundamental that's that's yes yes yeah. i agree i agree and if, uh, yeah. now I, now i'm going to tell you I tell you an, another quick story because yeah. it's kind of funny a major company, and I'm not going to say who it is because that would be bad. One of the things our company does is help people redesign their internal communication, their internal uh, intranets, because what they end up happening is becoming spaghetti. Yeah, they just great. get built upon, built upon, yeah. and that you need to streamline, think, and simpler is better. So we're in there. We're working with like 12 different people and talking about priorities and all of that, and they said, and, the, and they said, well, where is going to be the key, the button, to go back to the old system? And I said, what do you mean, button, go back to the old system? He says, well, on our current 
intranet site, there's a button for people that aren't used to this system to go to the old system to get the data the way they like. <laughs> and I said, so let me get this. You want me to have a button to go back to the second system so those people could literally even, some of them go back to the first oh, system. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and now this is a true story. I go, what if we train <laughs> them? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it just, it's just bad. So <laughs> I, I think everyone here notices that you're not from the States. <laughs> uh, but there could be people that are inspired to say that they want to talk to you because change is a big issue. You are the change catalyst. And they might want to engage you in a service. Sure. Um, we're going to, on the, you know, in the bio of you, we're going to list your website and all that. But, you know, do you come to the United States? Do you do engagements or where you, where you focus your business? Yeah, very, uh, very much so. I've got um, um, an old long-standing client in Philadelphia. It's a fintech company in the insurance space that, that I've been helping for many years on various different, uh, different projects from internal change to, to uh, acquiring um, companies uh, around the world. So, so that's, a, that, that's just one. I'm uh, running a, a workshop in Florida, actually, in March through the M&A Advisor, through another, uh, um, through their next, their next um, series of, of conferences that they run. So we're running a, a power of change. Well, the, simple, the simple answer to the question is, if they like what they're listening to and they feel they could use your help, they can contact you with the information below. And coming to the United States is not something you're unwilling to do because you're here all the time. Would you like me to repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> now, we end, we gotta, we're out of time. We end these always with the same question, which is what one tip would you share with people? One piece of advice. My single tip for leaders, for trainers, for executives uh, of, all, of all types, uh, uh, just for everyone, is to be yourself. Uh, in, in the book, I talk about what a good leader looks like, and I go through all sorts of different details of what good leadership is like, what bad leadership is like, but I end with be yourself, because if you're yourself, you're genuine, and when you're genuine, then people will listen to you, and you have a damn good chance of being successful. That's great advice. Great advice. I want to end by thanking you, but also the fact that you highlighted 88% of all change initiatives, I might have had that off by a percent or two, fail, is crazy. And if that isn't something to inspire people in the world of training who can have a major impact on improving the effectiveness of change, uh, and if that doesn't inspire leadership to seek to involve the entire organization to build that emotional connection, nothing, nothing will. And this has been really a great podcast. Thank you so much for being well, on. Well, thank you for the opportunity and uh, looking forward to doing it again someday. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.